Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. Love you guys. God bless you. What a wonderful day. Is this a special, uh, a special day? Um, because the Bible says this is the day that the Lord has made. We will be glad and rejoice in it. Anybody here ready to rejoice in Jesus right now? Amen. But it's a little bit special in a different way for Chrissy and I because we found out on Thursday night, we've been waiting for months now, but we found out on Thursday night that Annie and Andy, who've been expecting, they're having a little girl. And we are so excited. Let's go. Annie's right there sitting with us today. That's a cute little mama right there. And we're just praising God. God is so good. You know, I have no idea where I would be if I didn't meet Jesus. I can tell you right now that my family wouldn't be the family that it is if it wasn't for Jesus. There's nothing better, richer. Last uh, Sunday, I got to talk to a sister, and I was able to, right here, she gave her life to Christ, and I was able to say to her, there's nothing more wonderful than serving Jesus. How many would say amen and amen? Hallelujah. Okay, so look, right in line with that, we're going to start a uh, a new series. We'll call it a mini-series. It'll be maybe three or four messages. And I've been reading the Bible for 40 years now. And, um, and one of the the things that I try to do is just stay fresh with how God is speaking to me because part of, as God speaks to me, I'm called to speak to you. Um, there's a real study part to preparing sermons. And then there's a being led by the Spirit part. And so one of the things that I've been feeling lately is to um, do a couple of series on kind of chapters in the Bible because today, for example, I'm going to be speaking to you out of the book of Galatians. And you recognize that the book of Galatians was a letter. It was a letter that was written from the Apostle Paul to the Galatians. And then there's chapters and verses that came along afterwards. When, this, when the book of Galatians was originally written, it was just a letter from the Apostle Paul to the Galatian church, but it was the inspired word of God. It was fully, totally inspired by the Holy Spirit. And that's why the, the, the word of God, it, the way it's described is it is God-breathed. There's no other book on the planet like the Bible. Because the Bible is the living and active word of God. How many are thankful for the word of God today? Come on, put your hands together. And so when you read the Bible, there's chapters, and it makes it easier for us to study the Bible. So I'm glad that they put the chapters in, and there's verses. But in the beginning, it wasn't like that. And so um, the, those who broke the Bible into chapters, I think they did a pretty good job the chapters of the Bible are not inspired, but the words 
in the Bible are totally inspired by the Holy Spirit. If it's there, it's because by the power of the Holy Spirit he wanted in. If it's out, it's because by the power of the Holy Spirit he kept it out. He said, I put my word above my name. So if there's anything that the Holy Spirit has preserved all throughout history, it's the word of God. And uh, when you read a chapter in the Bible, what you're reading is a typically, especially in the epistles, the letters to the churches, the gospels are more books because they're stories, but the epistles especially are letters to churches. There are, in a sense, it's a, if I was writing you a letter, there's like this complete thought. And part of why I want to focus on chapters, because in a lot of cases, there are complete thoughts. I think that this is one of those cases in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And in the Galatians chapter 5, Paul talks about a very important facet of serving God. Really, really serving God. And what he does is he uses the most basic, kind of simplest, purest um, form of our lives in order to describe what it really takes to serve God. And the example that he uses is walking. In a moment, I'm going to read to you the key verses of the text. And you're going to hear him say, walk in the spirit. And so he's, he's saying walking so that you and I could really take this supernatural mystical thing that we uh, talk about when it comes to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is an invisible kingdom. The kingdom of God is powered and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And yet at the same time, even though we don't see the Spirit, even though we don't see the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is at hand because Christ is in us, the hope of glory. How many would say amen? And he's saying as simple as walking. You wake up in the morning and you walk to the bathroom. And then maybe you walk to the kitchen. Um, some of us walk to the coffee maker. All right? Before I sit down and read my Bible, I walk and get the holy brew. The anointed substance. That brings the breakthrough every day, right? But think about it. Walking is so fundamental. You walk to the car. You get out of the car. You walk to the work. You walk to someone's desk. Walking fundamentally is like this, this fundamental expression of your natural function and purpose as a human being. And so, like, it's, he's just talking about walking. And what is Paul saying? Paul is saying... Walk in the Spirit. The main thought of Galatians chapter 5, the main way that you and I live for God, is we are called to everyone walk in the Spirit. And can I tell you something? If God said that you can walk in the Spirit, you can walk in the Spirit. How many believe that? How many believe that that is true? 
And walking is so fundamental. I mean, so we, we get this little baby, and when she's born, she's going to be in a bassinet. And then at a certain point, she's going to crawl. All of my kids crawled in reverse first, right? And then they crawl forward. But let me tell you, when they start walking, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and it's because now they're independent. So you start, when you start walking as a child, everything changes. And it's funny because, because you also know when you, when you get a certain age and you start, like, things are changing. Because walking is so fundamental to life. And this is what Paul is using. But he's talking about walking in the spirit. It's an interesting thing because I, I have an Apple watch and I'm not wearing it today. But, um, and it tells me my steps. Wouldn't it be awesome if the Apple watch could tell you how many steps you took in the spirit? I want that one. Or maybe I don't. No, no, no. I want it. Right? And so, but Paul is taking something deep, powerful, complex, and simplifying it for every single one of us. Everybody say, this is for me. I hope you said it in Philly. I didn't hear you. This word, if you're a child of God, this word is for you. If you're not a child of God, this word can be for you. There's nothing more wonderful than walking in the spirit of God. And so what I'm going to do is read the key verses. And then over the course of the next few weeks, we'll be breaking up this thought. Um, the, the series title you probably saw is Keep in Step. It's keeping in step. You'll see in a moment why. So Galatians chapter 5.16 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Because you're either walking in the Spirit or you're walking in the flesh. Okay? And then it says, Later on, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step. Everybody say, keep in step. Keep in step. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. And part of what God is, uh, Paul is doing is he's kind of breaking down the phases of walking in the Spirit. Okay, he's breaking down the phases. He starts with one word and he moves it to a second word. And what I want to do is today is the introductory to this concept. So this is going to be primarily introductory in nature. But I'm going to be making one key application point today. But look, let me put up the phases of of walking in the spirit. Okay, can we throw that up? So first of all, you can't walk in the spirit until you come alive in the spirit. That's why Jesus said, you must be born again. You have to have a moment in time when you ask Jesus to become your Lord and Savior. You invite him into your heart. And when you invite him into your heart, he comes not physically, he comes by the Spirit and you're born again. 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Your outside doesn't change, but your inside changes in mighty, mighty ways. How many say amen for that day? I'll never forget my, my niece Monique was about like eight years old. And she prayed the sinner's prayer at my house. And then she said to me, she was very concerned. And she was like, Uncle Albert. She said, if I drink water, will Jesus get, met, get wet? <laughs> que linda, right? Because she thought there was a physical Jesus. No, it's by his spirit. You must be born again. What makes a Christian? A good person, a person who goes to church, all of these things. Tiff Shuttlesworth listened to last week's message. He talked about, he said, if you go to a Chinese restaurant, it doesn't make you Chinese. He had a lot of good, good examples. What makes a Christian? A Christian is a person who's been born again by the spirit of the living God. And if God is real, that is entirely possible. And if God is real, what other way would it be than he would want to be that close to you? That he would live inside of you. That's why Christianity is the most special, most magnificent. I can applaud the philosophies and the truths of other religions. But there's no religion like Christianity. Because in Christianity, God actually comes to live inside of you. Could we praise God for that kind of love, that kind of mercy, that kind of care? Everything else, you're on your own. Everything else, you're on your own. Except Christianity, except Jesus. That's why the Son of the Living God is so special. So you must come alive. And then, secondly, you have to learn to walk in the Spirit. And I'll put up the definition in a moment. But when you walk in the Spirit, this is, this is kind of two aspects of the same thing. And remember, in, when you're in God, the best of being a child of God in God is that you're always growing. You're always growing. We will grow until we see him face to face. When you see him face to face, you will be glorified. Your body, everything about you will be transformed. But until then... As a child of God, you should always have the posture of a grower, of a learner, because Jesus is so vast, so amazing. I've been reading the Bible for 40 years, and sometimes I read the Bible and say, man, I just saw this for the first time. Someone described it like trying to scoop up the ocean with a teacup. You see? That's how big and vast God is compared to who we are. Always growing. And so when you're born again, you're a baby in the Lord. You're a babe in Christ. You could be, you could be 57 years old like me, but you could still be a babe in Christ. And then you learn how to walk in the spirit. When you walk in the spirit, I'm using this image. Let's say the big blue is the Holy Spirit because walking in the spirit is speaking of the Holy Spirit. You have the Father the Son, and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, they are three in one. So they, uh, they are three in one. You have the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And so for the sake of this conversation, I made the, the uh, let's say that this super tall image is the Spirit of God. 
When you start walking in the spirit, you're like in the right crowd. You're going in the right direction. I'll read it to you in a moment. But visual, I want to visualize this for you first. But it really comes down to you start to walk in the direction of the heart of God and the will of God and the word of God. So you start to orient your life according to God's will, God's ways, not the, 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 the devil's ways, not the world's ways. You want to follow after God. Anybody here want to walk in the spirit? Anybody want to walk after God? In Philadelphia, don't you want to walk after God in Philly? Boy, does Philadelphia need people walking in the spirit. Right? So, but then, it's funny because he, he starts with the thought of walking in the spirit. And then he literally ends with the thought of keeping in step with the spirit. Which means that the longer you serve God... And the, the longer you, you operate in God and the things of God and the kingdom of God, you actually learn to get close to God and you can actually get to the place where you're walking in step with the Spirit. Dream of my life is to be in step with the Spirit. How many want to just, that's the, the joy of life is to walk, to be in step with the Spirit. And we'll talk about this over the course of the next couple of weeks. One of the things that you're going to, um, you're going to, this will hopefully make sense why sometimes Christians can be so godly at one moment and then in any given moment kind of break free from that crowd Stop being in step and all of a sudden get so in the flesh that they're doing things that are shocking. Okay? Are they still a Christian? Yes. When you see a Christian act, Paul said to the Corinthians, are you not carnal? It's possible to be a Christian but not be walking in the spirit. You see, you could have a new spirit, but be operating on the principles of an old mind. You see? And so people love criticizing Christians like, um, even Gandhi once said, I like their Christ, their Christian I don't like so much. And I was like, yeah, Gandhi, that's because you don't look in the mirror. Because if you looked in the mirror, maybe you would recognize that you're not that perfect either. Because no one is righteous, not even one. How many would say amen? But I get it. I get why you would say that. Because if we, if we profess to serve the great mighty one, the king of glory, then we have this obligation to live up to the standards of the word of God. But sometimes we don't. Okay? We're going to spend the next three weeks talking about that. And I want you to know, if you don't, if you have failed, if you've been failing, if you've been more in the flesh than in the spirit, then take heart. Because God loves you. And what God wants to do is pull you close to him. And he wants to help you and teach you how to walk in the spirit. How many want to learn how to walk in the spirit to the point that we are in step with the spirit? 
So the title of today's message is actually Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. The goal of our lives is to really walk in the Spirit and then get to the point where actually keeping in step with the Spirit. But that's the goal. And here's what I want to do. I, I know I prayed, but may I pray just a moment one more time? And would you pray with me? Would you join with me in this moment if you're watching online? Would you join with me, everybody in Philadelphia? What is Christianity all about? It's not you trying to do this in your own strength. It's you allowing the power of the Holy Spirit to lead and guide every step of every day. So, Father, we come in the name of Jesus. We come grateful for the Spirit of Christ living inside of us. But God, we ask that you would help us to walk in the spirit. We don't want to walk in the flesh. The flesh has pride and lust and anger and jealousy and all sorts of uncleanness, God. But we want to stay in sync with you, in step with you. And God, I pray today that when people walk away from the church today, that they would have a conviction that it is only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can be godly. Not only is, does all of our righteousness depend upon you, but any moment of godliness, it's all based on the influence and power of the Holy Spirit. Bless this word, bless our time, bless our hearts. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Okay, so let me continue for a moment to just unpack this definition. Okay, I've, there are a lot more words in the dictionaries, but uh, um, in the Greek dictionary, the New Testament is written in Greek. Uh, and so when we study the Bible, we actually go to the original language and we, we have all sorts of tools. That's what are available. And so I've just, I just took the, like, the simple top line to give you a, the spirit of it. So walk in the spirit means to make one's way or, or to progress, meaning all of your progress is like following after God. You're, you're going after God. You're trying to stay close to God, trying to follow God, you know, when you're, it's an interesting thing. When children are little, this is one of the reasons why Jesus said, unless you become like a child. When children are little, they are so dependent on mommy and daddy and they just follow them. You know what I'm saying? They follow them all day long. And um, how many know we're supposed to follow the Holy Spirit all day long? How many want to follow the Spirit all day long? But then, again, and I'm, I'm repeating this so that, because I want you to have real clarity on this. Keep in step, watch this, says, to proceed in a row as the march of a soldier. Now, the soldier doesn't march based on his own will. So if you're one of those people who's like, nobody tells me what to do, right? If that's your vibe, then you can't walk in the spirit. Because you have to want to be told what to do. You have to yield your will. 
You have to say, not my will, but thy will be done. And I literally want every step to be like a soldier. Your will, your orders, your ways. Not to the right, not to the left. And here's the interesting thing that built into this def definition says is to go on prosperously. So you know what the end goal of, of keeping in step with the spirit? When you're in step with the spirit, you are actually living the most prosperous life. Pastor Dave alluded to that. There's earthly prosperity, but we're talking about spiritual prosperity. We're talking about kingdom impact. We're talking about leading people to Jesus. We're talking about bearing fruit for the glory of God. We're talking about doing things that are truly purposeful, even if it means death to yourself. This is a higher form of living. But today we're beginning with, with focusing on walking in the spirit and I want to kind of give you a little bit of a formula it's not a formula but I'm doing this for the sake of understanding so how do you define walking in the spirit well here it is the word plus the spirit equals walking in the spirit okay the word plus the spirit equals walking in the spirit when you talk about walking in the spirit, you have to understand that the spirit is always perfectly in sync and in agreement with the word. The spirit never deviates one drop from the word of God. Now in the Godhead, there's the father, the son, and the spirit. Christ is the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Christ is the living word, and the living word is equal to the spirit, and the spirit is equal to the living word. They are one in the same, individual, and yet mysteriously united. That is the mystery of the Godhead, okay? But in that context, remember, the word and the spirit never get out of sync, so how do you define keeping in step? Keeping in step with the Spirit means that you're in sync with the Word and the Spirit because the Spirit is always, always perfectly in sync and in agreement with the Word. And when you get the Word plus the Spirit, it makes all things in the Bible not just true but possible. So sometimes people say, well, how could those miracles happen? Here's why. It's because you have the powerful word and you have the powerful spirit. And when you get the powerful word of God and the powerful spirit of God, all things are possible. He spoke and the son came into existence, brothers and sisters. Though God spoke his word and the spirit, which is the agent of power on the earth and in the universe, all things come to pass by the power of the word in the spirit if you want to understand God then you must understand that it is a combination of the father the father's heart and then the power of the word and the spirit all working together and so this is very very important stuff this is theological but very very important for you to understand why is victory possible 
See, you might talk to someone and say, you can't walk in victory over drug addiction or alcoholism or pornography or anger or jealousy or whatever it is. In your own self, you can't. But all things are possible when you have the word and the spirit at work inside of your life. Could somebody say amen? All things are possible. Victory is possible. But it's very important for us to understand it's the word and the spirit. It's never the word and the spirit plus. It's the word and the spirit, nothing else. Now, why do I say that? In the book of Galatians, part of what happened was, if you read the whole book, and I want you to go and read the whole book, part of the reason I'm emphasizing a chapter of the scriptures is so that you could go and read all of it. Okay? And look, you're not growing in God if you're not a self-feeder. If you just come, come here and, and like you, you fill up on Sunday, we do not subscribe to gas station Christianity. Today is not a gas station, okay? It's a moment of feeding, but you need to feed tonight. You need to feed tomorrow. You need to feed on Tuesday. Come on, somebody. We need to feed ourselves so we can stay in the spirit every day. And so this is very, very important for us to understand is the power of the word and the spirit. And listen, nothing else. The Galatian church, here's what they were doing. They were starting to, they were trying to do the word, the spirit, plus the law. They were trying to add rules and regulations to Christianity. And Paul stood against it absolutely. He said, no, there is nothing else but the power of the spirit and the power of the word. That's the only thing that makes you godly. There is nothing in you. There's nothing in me. No capacity. Not one cell of my body can be godly without the help of the Holy Spirit. Rules don't make you godly. They might make you look godly when you look in the mirror. But when God looks at you, just because you think I kept these rules, that does not make you godly. Only the Holy Spirit uh, in line with the word of God can make you godly. And that's why, that's why legalism never makes people godly. In fact... Whenever people depart from the word and the spirit and they go into rules, just know there's a dark side to every legalist. Because the minute you start to do things in your own strength, your ugly side comes out. That's the truth. That's the way it is. And so here's the key, right? This is very, very important. The word and the spirit are what inform and influence, okay? The word and the spirit informs and influences all things. And, what I, and look, this is basically a one-point message. I want to take most of the rest of this message to unpack this right here and really apply it, right? So, for example, contextually speaking, in the book of Galatians, what they were trying to do is they were trying to change, quote, the religion of Christianity 
by adding the law. And they're saying, oh, you, you have to get circumcised like they did in the Old Testament. And as soon as you got to do this and you got to do that. And, and you know, you can't, you, can't, uh, um, you can't do this on the Sabbath and on and on and on. And Paul stopped right there and said, no, we live based on a new contract, a new covenant in the new covenant, Jesus does everything and Jesus is everything. How many are thankful that Jesus paid it all and does it all? And part of the reason why I'm taking the time with this is because I happen to know that a lot of people in our congregations, you come from backgrounds, okay, that they pushed legalism on you. And you struggle with grace. You struggle with me saying, look, it's only the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you do something wrong, it's really, you can't help but do something wrong. And you're like, well, you're giving me a, an excuse. I'm not giving you an excuse. I'm giving you the truth that you make an excuse if you're the one who runs away from the truth. But there is a truth and that truth will set you free. And the truth is if you move towards Jesus, if you depend upon Jesus, if you follow Jesus, he will help you to walk in victory. And when you don't walk in victory, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. How many are thankful for the mercy of God? We need mercy. So if you come from that, you got to shake off that religion. Because the only, matters is, the only thing that matters is your relationship. But I want to take this a few steps further. Let's talk about feelings. Walking in the Spirit means that the Word and the Spirit inform your feelings. Not that your feelings, it's, it's the Word, the Spirit, plus your feelings. So part of walking in the Spirit means that you get to the place where when you feel rotten, you bend your will towards what the Word and the Spirit says. And when you bend your will, when you yield your will to the spirit, when you surrender your will to the word and the spirit, then he starts to change your feelings. Can somebody say amen? amen. So many relational struggles are the fruit of how a moment or a season make you feel. Maybe you didn't feel like worshiping today. You know, it's funny because there are moods to services. There are dynamics with congregation. I, I don't know that I've ever said this before, but remember, Jesus was on the planet. And because of the unbelief of the people, there were times that he didn't do the miracles that he would possibly say he couldn't even do it because of the unbelief. Was that Jesus' fault? No, it's the crowd's fault. So if you come in here with an unbelieving spirit, it makes it harder for me to preach. Wow, I never said that before, but go ahead, put it on whatever. It's true. And let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. It's interesting because when people are hungry for God, something is pulled out of the preacher. See, because, look, God used the donkey to speak once. Okay? So, so I, I'll put myself right there with him. You see? But, but the power of the Holy Spirit makes all of this when it's wonderful and godly and beautiful, 
makes it all possible. And so our feelings, but not just my feelings, your feelings too. Maybe you didn't want to worship today. Maybe, maybe you're in a fight with your spouse because you feel. Maybe you haven't spoken to people in your family because you feel. And the Spirit's been whispering. The Spirit's been whispering. I want you to change how you feel about this. I want you to look at it this way. You know what? They're hurt. And guess what hurt people do? Hurt people hurt people. Let them off the hook. If you don't forgive them, how can I forgive you? You see, there are all of these dealings by the power of the Holy Spirit that we have to understand is the word and the spirit. How many times do I forgive my brother? Seven times? Jesus, 70 times seven. He was like endless. Forgiveness is endless because our father is rich in mercy with us. We don't even know how many times he has to forgive us in a given day. So your feelings don't rule the day. And that's why we say all the time, there's a big difference between feelings and the Bible says. And you want to grow up to the point where you say the Bible says rather than, well, I feel. You know, I felt. Sometimes people talk about the past and they know that they were wrong because they were felt wrong. And they still defend their feelings. Stop defending your feelings. On the contrary, let's say, God, would you inform and influence my feelings? Come on in Philadelphia, lift your hands right now. Just right now, in Philadelphia, right now in this room, God, God, would you inform and influence our feelings? May our feelings bend towards the will of this word and the spirit. Amen. And amen. I've got some more important things to talk to you about. Let's talk about experiences for a second. Okay? So, orthodox Christianity, which means fundamental Christianity, it's loaded with the supernatural. It's an interesting thing. So, in the Old Testament, loaded with the supernatural. In the New Testament, it's loaded with the supernatural. And yet, we live in a day right now where a big part of the church, people who are our brothers and sisters, they are very dismissive of the supernatural. Dismissive of the gifts of the Spirit, for example. Like that's a, that's a, let's, let's, it's a hot potato in the church. It's ridiculous. Like so many chapters in the Bible talk about the gifts of the Spirit and people argue with the Bible, you see? They argue with a word of knowledge, they argue with healing, they argue with, uh, with tongues and interpretation of tongues, they argue with all of that because in their little human brain, which all of our brains are little compared to God's, we bring God down to us instead of looking up to who he is in his infinite glory and majesty and power to the point where we even dismiss verses in the Bible. And look, here's how do you feel about this when people, when people think about this differently than you do, okay? If they're a Christian, I mean, you love everybody. You know what I'm saying? It's like, 
I don't have to agree with every Christian. I don't, I don't think I have a perfect understanding of the Bible. Nobody has the full counsel of God. I'm cool with that. I got to go with the best light that I have. However, when something is in the Bible, beware of being dismissive of it. When something is in the New Testament, and it was part of the New Testament practice of the New Testament church, if we don't follow that, then what do we follow? You know what I'm saying? And so it's funny to me because um, wherever you have the gifts of the Spirit, people, the, the Bible says the Spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So look, I speak in tongues. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Right? How did that happen? I was in the balcony of a church. Actually, it was a, it was a Tuesday. I was um, talking to a friend of mine before Tuesday night prayer meeting in Burger King, of all places, home of the Whopper, right? And I was this young guy, and I was like, I'm struggling with so many things in my walk with God. And you know what they said to me? They said, you need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? I'm like, okay. So I go to church, and coincidentally, what is Pastor Simla talking about? My pastor is talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he finishes speaking. People call, come down to the altar, right? And when, when they come down, I stayed up in the balcony. I, I was just working through it. Like I didn't even, I was so in the moment. I didn't even like, um, I believe in responding. But in that moment, I was so in the moment. But I looked up and I lifted my hands. And when I lifted my hands, something supernatural happened to me. Something hit me. It started inside of my stomach. And like I started to speak in another language. And honestly, when I'm home, when I'm home, I pray in tongues a lot. You know, I pray in tongues a lot. The Bible talks in Corinthians about the fact that you could pray with your mind, but you could pray with the Spirit. And when you pray in the Spirit, okay, there's an edification that takes place that you and I don't understand. Okay? Now, there are, there are guideposts and rules for that in church. For example, I don't do in church what I do at home because 1 Corinthians 14 says that if there's tongues, someone gives out an utterance, there should be an interpretation. All I'm saying by this is that, like, look, my experience is not the benchmark of what's true. However, if it's in the Bible, then you and I should say, I want what's ever in the Bible. Anybody here want what's in the Bible? Why not have the supernatural? Why not? Okay, plus you hear testimonies of people who used to be rock stars and, and I, used to, I used to be an usher at the Beacon Theater. Don't tell me that those rock groups were not sold out to satanic principles and power. I could feel the demonic cloud right in the room. Of course. So here's the thing about the, the, the gifts of the Spirit. And I, I got to hurry up, but I want to make this point very important. So look. So, um, so let's take Chuck. Chuck Swindell is one of my favorite speakers. I've read his books. Chuck Swindell doesn't believe in the gifts. Okay? I love Chuck Swindell. I'll learn from Chuck Swindell. 
I have no problem. I, 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 look for, I hope I live in his neighborhood when I get to heaven. I suspect if I live in that neighborhood, I did all right. Right? But I remember Chuck Swindoll reading or hearing saying, I just don't see any, any need for the gifts of the Spirit. I'm like, well, you're not the Apostle Paul. You're not Jesus. Okay? It's as simple as that. No offense. I'm saying this because I love you. you. You listen in Philadelphia? I love you, and I'm telling you that the inspired word of God says that you could be baptized with power. The inspired word of God says that God can give you a word of knowledge for someone, and that word of knowledge could save their life. There's a word of wisdom. God can give you a gift to lay hands on people, not every time because it's a gift of the Spirit. Which brings me to the other side of this. Let me just say this. Now, going back to experiences, there's Orthodox Christianity. A lot of times because of the craziness, because God does one thing and then people take it 10 steps further. Right? And then the, the no gifts crowd say, look at that. Look at all of that error. Okay? But the problem is, is they're missing one of the biggest errors. Jesus said to those who were in that same position in the New Testament, he says, you are in error because you don't know the word of God or the power of God. So some people say, I don't believe in the gifts because you don't know the power of God. Open up your eyes and look at what's in the word. Our God is a powerful God. But on the flip side, here's what happens, right? On the flip side, when it comes to experiences, remember, it's the word and the spirit, not the spirit plus your experience. So there's all kinds of teachings right now. Young people, listen to me, okay? If I say it, go in the Bible and look at it. If, I don't, if what I'm saying is not in the word, don't take it like it's gospel. Just because somehow that day there was a grace on me and you felt like, ooh, I felt a special feeling. Okay, you could go to a concert and there's a special feeling. You could hear a, spe a speaker and there's a special feeling. Those feelings are not the benchmark of the truth. The word of God is the benchmark of the truth. And so I say all of that to say there are a lot of things that people are trying to teach with the gifts of the Spirit. Like you can't teach tongues. You don't even know what they mean. And if you can't teach tongues, you can't teach a lot of the things in the realm of the spirit. There's a limit to that. Even if God gave you a special revelation, judge all of life through the word of God. Be open to what's in it and be very doubtful of what's not. How many would say amen? amen. Praise the Lord, amen. Two more very quickly and then we're going to close. Okay. I want to talk about patriotism for a moment. Right. So, look, um, so many people say God and country. I think God and country is a beautiful sentiment. I think it's great to, to love your country but say God first and then country. I love when I hear. I have this incredible admiration for soldiers. You know, I am so grateful for every soldier, everyone who serves to defend our great nation. 
Our nation has a lot of problems, brothers and sisters, but it is a great nation. And we are greatly blessed. And I've been to a lot of nations that don't have the blessing that we do, despite all of the craziness. And I'm going to tell you something. On both sides of the political aisle, the reason why there's craziness is because those sides of the political aisle are not in step with the Spirit. But some people say God and country. They say God and country plus. Right? They say, they say, it's the word, it's the spirit, plus my patriotism. No, the Bible informs your patriotism. And the Bible should put a shoreline on your patriotism and on your politics so that you stay godly. And you have to have enough love in your heart to love someone on the other side of the aisle and want more than anything else. If you're a Republican, you should want Democrats to get saved. If you're a Democrat, you should want Republicans to get saved because that's the only thing that counts. Somebody say amen. Man, I'm touching all the hot potatoes today. Hot potato Sunday, right? But it's true, listen. Think, so many people said, well, what about the Crusades? Look at what those Christians did. They killed all of those people in the name of God. Exactly. You know what that was? That was in the beginning it started with the word, maybe some of the spirit. Then it went from the spirit like a spark of a feeling, an emotion, a patriotism, and plus the flesh of man. The Crusades were not inspired by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was not saying kill all those people. Jesus doesn't want us to kill every Muslim. If a terrorist in our nation has an opportunity in, in this world, not in our nation, has an opportunity to get saved, Lord Jesus, save them, Lord, save them. If they come to justice, if they lose their life and their criminal behavior, well, that's in the sovereignty of God. You reap what you sow. But your heart, my heart, we want them to be saved. He wills that none would perish. How many would say amen? amen. Lastly, culture, and then we're going to close. Look. There's so many waves in culture, young people especially, because, because you know what, in, in our culture, when things come along, there are cultural arguments that are based on individualism. And when you base something on individualism rather than the holiness and the wisdom of God, individual arguments can make a lot of sense. All of this stuff that's going on, gay marriage, transgenderism, all of the whatever, there's like so many things in our culture. How do you sort out what is God's will? Remember, it's the word and the spirit. If you can't find it in the word, just know if it disagrees with the word in the long run, it will hurt the individual. Any individual that goes against the word of God will end up hurt in an eternal sense and even in an immediate sense. Things look shiny for a while and then lives are destroyed. 
we have to keep in step. We have to walk in the spirit and look. Well, well let, me, let me just read this to you real quickly. I'm, I'm gonna close very quickly. We'll just say a quick prayer, but listen. In this particular uh, uh, chapter, Romans 12 says that, not in this chapter, in another chapter, Paul writing, he says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship, means you surrender to God, right? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. All cultural issues need to be compared to the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. That is your faith. Your faith says, I don't fully understand, okay? I don't fully understand, but I choose to trust in the word of God. How many believe that God's word is worthy to be trusted? So look, it's time, and I want to pray for all of us. If we made an altar call in Philadelphia, or we made an altar call here in Chicago, if we may, as we make an altar call online and we say, as stand up as a sign of, or come to the altar, everybody's coming to the altar today. Because we all need to learn how to walk in the spirit to the point that we, remember what is the end goal? We keep in step with the spirit. Step by step this week. Lord, keep me in step with you. You know, here's the last thing I'll say and then we're going to pray. You'll notice that when you're in step with the Spirit, the tense, difficult areas of your life where you tend to fail, you don't. But you'll notice when you're out of sync with the Holy Spirit, those same things, even though you got the victory last week, and this is why we're going to be drilling down on this right, over the next couple of weeks, what, what happens is, is that when you're not in step, it's just Al Toledo comes out, you know, not Christ in me, the hope of glory, just me, and I don't want just me, I want Jesus flowing through me, so come on, in Philadelphia, online, lift your hands right now. And we're going to pray this week, Lord, starting right now. Lord, we want the word and the spirit, oh God. Father, I pray that you would teach us to walk in the spirit. I pray that marriages would walk in the spirit, God. I pray that fathers would walk in the spirit. If there's a father who's thinking about running out on his family today, Lord, if, if there's a guy who's thinking about running out on his kids because he, he can't handle the pressure, he can't take the stress or the strain, Father, would you turn his heart by the power of the Holy Spirit towards you, oh God? 
If there's a mom that's thinking about running, God, in the name of Jesus, give her the help of the Holy Spirit, Lord. If someone's thinking about quitting, someone's thinking about hurting themselves because life doesn't matter, it does matter, Lord. You have a great plan and a great purpose. Get them into the Spirit, we pray. God, I pray for the most successful. I pray for those that are cruising on easy street right now. We thank you for the good days. But Lord, even in the good days, we want to bring you glory and honor. Help us to walk in the spirit. Help all of us pastors. God, help every leader. Help every mom and dad. Help college students, Lord. You know how hard it is to be in the university. Help our first responders. Help our police officers, our firemen, oh God. God, uh, uh, all of the ambulance workers, God. Nurses, God. God, help, oh God, healthcare providers. God, teachers. Lord, we need the power of the Spirit. And whatever adjustments, whatever shifting needs to take place, do it, oh God. We surrender to you. Come on, stand to your feet one more time. Just say, I surrender.